Gracious God, we do humbly submit ourselves to you over and over and over again. We give ourselves away, Lord. We want to be used by you, Lord Jesus. We want to be the people you called us to be. You created and shaped and formed us to be, Holy Spirit. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will continue to speak to our hearts through your word today. You have blessed us through song. You have blessed us, Lord Jesus, through the hearing of your word and, the, and your offering, Lord. And we pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will continue to, to tell us what we need to hear through your word today. We thank you and we honor you in the mighty and holy name of Jesus, we pray. And all your people said, amen and amen. God is so good. God is so good. Saints, we are in the final part, part four of a sermon series that we've been doing for this sermon called what? <laughs> Getting ready for greatness. Get ready and stay ready. Praise God. Saints, uh, you all have a sermon outline in your bulletin if it's helpful for you to follow along. For those of you online, the, the outline is available for you to download and follow as well. Just a little bit of a quick review, saints. I told you at the beginning of the sermon series that we were going to be meeting some people. For some of us, renewing and getting to know better some people. We met King David. We met the ten wise women, the, the five wise women and the five foolish women. We met Uriah the Hittite and his wife Bathsheba. We met many of David's children through this sermon series. And we've learned a lot. Tell your neighbor, we've learned a lot. And so just to kind of review some things about David, when we're talking about getting ready for greatness, what made David or King David so great? I mean, after all, he was a sinner. So why was he so great? He had an affair with Bathsheba that we talked about in great detail. He tried to cover up that affair, amen. He tried to cover up that affair by convincing Uriah the Hittite to go home and sleep with his wife so it would look like that was Uriah's baby. Well, that didn't work. So he ordered Uriah's death. He made sure to tell Joab to put Uriah out front and then to have the rest of the army back up so that Uriah would be killed. David did not manage his own household, it says in the Bible. And even his children and his wives suffered. So with all of these flaws, what made King David so great? Why was he a king after God's own heart? <laughs> I wonder too. <laughs> there it is. Anna got it. You hit it right there, Anna. The reality of greatness for David came with an understanding of sin. You see, we have to acknowledge how we treat and understand sin. How many of us can see everybody else's sin? Anybody in this room? We can see what everybody around us does wrong. I mean, it's so easy. I go home and I can tell my husband everything he has gotten wrong in that day. Boy, I got a mighty list. I can look at my kids and I can point out every little thing that they get wrong. I don't even, you don't even have to live in my house. I can tell y'all what y'all did wrong. 
I can look at the world. I can go down the street. I can look at my neighbors. I can look at any old person and identify every sin in their lives. Can y'all, do y'all have the same gift? (laughs) You know what everybody around you has gotten wrong. All the sins. Most of us can clearly see everybody else's sin. What's our problem? We cannot see our own, or at least we won't, we don't want to see our own, right? We have the hardest time looking in that mirror, don't we? We have the hardest time acknowledging when we have done something wrong. We have even the hardest time when someone points out sin to us. Somebody comes up to you and say, you know you do, you, you're doing this. No, I didn't. I didn't. Well, such and such did it first. We all do that, don't we? (laughs) We are so easy to point out the, the worst things in other people. We can just really drag somebody up and down the street. If somebody got an attitude problem, how swift are we to tell them, you know you got an attitude problem? Somebody got an anger management problem, you tell them, you know you need to go to anger management. Someone struggling with drugs and alcohol? Oh, we real quick. We right on the spot. You know you need to go to rehab and say, I'm an alcoholic. Right? We Christians can be awfully self-righteous. Very self-righteous. And I always say that if you cannot figure out your sin, your sin is pride. If you look in the mirror and you cannot find one thing that you have gotten wrong in your life, you might as well say, I'm full of pride. Because we can be so self-righteous all the time. We struggle to look at our own sin, and we don't want to own our own stuff. Let me go back to that question of what made King David so great. What made King David so great is he had the opposite problem of us. David always saw his own sin. And he had often, he had a harder time pointing out other people's sin. Think about King David. He was the second king, right? Who was the first king? King Saul. How many of us can all look and and know that King Saul was not a good king? See, we can point it out, can't we? (laughs) King Saul was so opposed to King David. He even tried to kill David. King Saul was a hot mess, as we would say now. He got a lot of problems. He had a lot of problems. But guess what David did? David remained loyal to King Saul, even in the midst of his sin. When King Saul and and David's best friend Jonathan died, David didn't rejoice. How many of us, when something bad happens to one of our enemies, we like to do a happy dance? Man, some people do something wrong. It It don't even matter if it was 20 years later. You remember when such and such did something to you way back in kindergarten, and finally they get they just do, and you like, yes, yeah, see, God, God going to get you, see, I didn't have to do nothing. 
when King Saul died and Jonathan died, David could have rejoiced. David could have danced in the street. He could have threw a party, but he did not rejoice. The scripture says he actually wept. He cried. He was so upset about the death of his best friend and his king. How many of us, when someone that has hurt us, we cry for them? We ever, do we ever cry for them or feel sad for them? Most of us rejoice when something has gone bad in their lives. You see, David was, again, the opposite of us. He always saw his sin, and he expressed so much kindness to everybody else. You all, do you all know that King Saul had a grandson? It's hard to remember all these names and these people, right? So King Saul, if you remember from my first message, King Saul had Jonathan. And technically, who was supposed to be king if something happened to King Saul? Jonathan. Well, if something happened to Saul and Jonathan, who was supposed to be king? His grandson. And thank you. And Jonathan had a, grand, a son who was King Saul's grandson. And his son, of course, the name got to be hard, y'all, Mephibosheth. <laughs> we just going to call him M for the purposes of today. <laughs> but, so the grandson was about five years old when King Saul and his, uh, his father, Jonathan, died. He was a little boy. And the nurse... She was so scared. This, it was a nurse who cared for this little boy. And when the king had died, she just knew the next king, which was King David, was going to retaliate. So the scripture describes that she took him and she ran in fear, trying to keep him safe. But the problem was when she was running, this is a five-year-old, y'all. This is not a baby. She holding him in his arm. She tripped and fell and the accident wounded him so badly that he would struggle to walk his entire life. So, but she hid him, trying to protect him from King David. But see, King David had the opposite problem of us. He wasn't seeking retaliation. He was seeking to express kindness. Just think of the depth of that. Think of every person that has ever offended you, hurt you, stabbed you in the back. Would you go to their family and offer kindness to them? The scripture says that at one point, King, da King David announces, please bring me someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God. So they look around. And they find this young boy that's now not a little boy anymore. And they bring him to the, to the palace where King David was staying. And, and they bring him, and King David extends him so much kindness that he grants him the inheritance of his grandfather and father and permits him to live amongst the royals. Isn't that nice? That's some kindness extended. When he could have shown so much hatred and animosity. So David 
we admit, had a lot of problems. But what made him great? Tell your neighbor, what made him great is he understood sin. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, that Marion read to, to us today, King David says, I have sinned against the Lord. Let's read that together. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. How many of us get up and acknowledge that we have sinned against the Lord? Thank God. You see, getting ready for greatness begins with repentance. Say repentance. Getting ready for greatness is an admission that I am a sinner. Say I am a sinner. It is a mission that we are all unholy, we are all unworthy, and we are all undeserving. Does anybody in here think you deserve to be great? <laughs> One of us. Tell us why do you deserve to be great today? Because you admitted your sin. <laughs> right. You see, we can admit our greatness after what? We, we acknowledge that sin. We acknowledge the sin. It is so rare in our world for anyone to admit that they are wrong. Isn't it? We only have to turn on the TV. Everybody on there is guilty. How many criminals are in Washington, D.C., y'all? It is off the hook. <laughs> they keep using that word unprecedented. I'm like, yep. <laughs> but it's amazing that nobody is going to jail. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The politicians are sinful, but they won't admit it. The movie stars are sinful. They, too, will not admit it. <laughs> The athletes, how many athletes do we see in the news? Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to even mention this latest one. <laughs> That's some stuff, y'all. <laughs> no one wants to admit. And now we got this whole new level of social media. Everybody got an opinion. You go on any social media site today. And everybody got an opinion, and everybody thinks their opinion is right. Isn't that amazing? But even on social media, people struggle to admit they're wrong. Even clergy. Come on now, some of y'all want to shout at men. <laughs> y'all like, Pastor Kelly, we're not going to tell you your sin, but we know it. We, we know. We know what you're doing. <laughs> Everyone is involved in what it seems to be the great cover-up the lies, the espionage. Our world is so dark right now. I tried to think of who is the leader that is so humble, because back in the day we could think of leaders that were so humble that would admit their sin. Who is the current living leader that we know that has admitted their sin? I mean, really, anybody? Can y'all name one person? Okay, tell me somebody from the past. 
Jimmy Carter, very humble. Can we all agree Jimmy Carter? Anybody know? Okay, very humble. Anybody else? That's all we got. <laughs> I mean, I know Jimmy Carter. Maybe that's why he's been living so long, y'all. Him and his wife, <laughs> they've had a long life. <laughs> Any other people you can think of? Who you got? George Wallace. Okay. For, for people who are too young to remember, I need a quick history lesson. Give me that real quick. I thought you was, when you said George Wallace in my head, I was like, wait, ain't, the, ain't that the racist? Okay, so what did he do that I missed? Wait. Wait. Say, say it one more time so I can hear you. What? See, somebody needs to make that a TikTok video. <laughs> this is why learning our history is so important. So George Wallace, because every story I've ever heard of him has been mean and hateful and negative and about all the racism and he didn't want to integrate. At the very end of his life, he apologized, admitted his sin for all that he had done. Okay. I think we can all agree that's a good one, right? Anybody else? Any other people that you all can think of? Uh, uh, we praying for Trump. I'm a, uh, we gonna, we going to hope that he get there, right? Because I do remember... Somebody asked Trump if he was a sinner. And he wouldn't say the words, I'm a sinner. So we're going to keep praying. Because that man got a lot going on. He need a lot of help, y'all. He need a lot of help. I don't even know what's going on. I won't even go off on that tangent because we all believe different things politically. But, I mean, that whole FBI stuff, we need to pray for him. Anybody else, though, as a leader that you saw in your lifetime or you learned about in history that really repented? This is just tough. Who you got, Johnny? Bill Clinton had a moment of confession? Oh, he apo- oh you're talking about the affair. He lied and he lied. Oh, he had the great cover-up, didn't he? <laughs> but at one point, he did finally confess, right? Yeah. Thank you, Shannon. President Obama admitted that he inhaled. <laughs> Will Smith apologized for the Chris Rock smack. Jimmy Swagger? What was his story? Oh, his affairs? I'm sorry, some of these stories happened. I was a little girl, so <laughs> I kind of was watching, but I wasn't watching, you know. <laughs> we st- There's a lot of people we still waiting on, <laughs> Vince has said. 
But see, King David, everybody knew that he had confessed, I have sinned against the Lord. And it's not a lot of people in the Bible that confess. Even back to Adam and Eve. I always wonder when they got busted, why didn't either one of them just say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me right now here in the garden. They could have easily done that. So what did Eve do? Eve said, you know, the serpent did it. (laughs) What did Adam do? He said, the woman you gave me did it. (laughs) So again, everybody point out what somebody else did wrong instead of just saying, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. If we would all get to the place where we can be willing to say, I have sinned against the Lord. You see, to get from to get to greatness, you all, to get ready and to stay ready, it is the willingness to say daily, I have sinned against the Lord. Say it with me. I have sinned against the Lord. You see, to get from King David to Jesus which Pastor Antonio was talking and helping us to understand last week, we all have to understand what Jesus was really doing. Jesus did not come into this world because he just wanted to visit with us. Jesus did not come into this world because he needed a tour of earth. Jesus did not enter the scene because he wanted to try the food or he wanted to experience the culture. Why did Jesus come into this world? To save us from our sin. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Jasmine, you want to put that up for us? Let's read this together. Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake, to every human authority. Is that 24? Number 24, Jasmine. <laughs> Here we go. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for by his wounds you have been healed. I'm in the way, y'all. I can't see the words. (laughs) So it says clearly in scripture why Jesus came to the world. For one reason only. He came into the world because he himself would bear our sins in his body on that tree. He would die to sin so that we could do what? Live to righteousness. And it says, by his what? Wounds, we are healed. To get to greatness begins with an admission of sin. To get to greatness is an acknowledgement that Jesus came into the world. No one else. Think about that. No, nobody else died for you. Not one person on this planet has died for you. I know we as parents and, and people that we love, we say, oh, I'll die for you. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't. Really? You think you would die for somebody? Jesus is the only one who died for us, but he is also the only one that because of his perfection, 
because he had done no wrong, because he had no sin, when he died, it cleansed all of our sin. That is an amazing gift. And so when we think about getting ready for greatness and and staying ready for greatness, it's the constant acknowledgement of a life, a death, and a resurrection. Life, death, resurrection. That's what we're getting ready for and we're staying ready for. It is our sin. Say sin. Every single one of us have that in common. It is the condition of humanity. Tell your neighbor you are a sinner. Tell your other neighbor I am a sinner too. None of us get get out of that. The only way we can get out of our sinfulness, the only way, and all of us know it, but we don't say it enough. There is only one way to get out of our sinfulness. And that way is to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I need you to take over my life and to come into my heart and save me. Jesus is the only saving grace that we have in this world. The only saving grace that any human, any leader, no matter what status you are on in in this world, every single one of us have to say the same words, I am am a sinner. If you want to be great today, start with those words. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you, Lord, that by your wounds we are all healed. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the greatest gift in the world, that you died for us, Lord, so that we can live forever. We pray, Holy Spirit, that every single day when we get up in the morning, We will look upon ourselves and we will see our own sin. That before we looked at one other person, we would acknowledge our own wrongs in this world. Help us, Lord, to daily lean on you, to daily trust in you, and to daily surrender to you. We thank you and we honor you. In the mighty and holy name of God, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Are you grateful?